Hey, good morning to you. Happy Wednesday. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. And I'm just looking around. One of us is a little bit richer today. Yes. And by richer, Ooh. I mean two dollars. And thirty-seven yeah, cents. I'll get that Congratulations, to you <laughs> Cheese, who uh won the intershow bet Woo. on whether or not Lollapalooza would happen in twenty twenty one. The announcement came yesterday. I uh I haven't seen <laughs> such no, it is just choreography for the kids. Uh, yeah. since the Lee Harvey Oswald prison transfer uh, video. Good night, Irene. But uh, other than that, they um, hey, it uh, ended with the, Foos, the Foo Fighters, so it was good. So uh, yeah, so Dave Grohl comes on the video as well. See, I turned it off before that. I you missed it. I missed it. I know he and, redeemed the whole video. Okay. And so Dave says, "I'll see you this summer with my friends, the Foo Fighters." Nice. I'm going to take that to mean, I'm going to extrapolate, <laughs> the Foo Fighters are going to be at Lollapalooza. That's just going to be hanging Probably out. Probably the headliner, yeah. if not certainly one of them. It's, it's tough to find a bigger band these days. So, yeah, already now, the entire lineup to uh, Lollapalooza 2021 uh, comes out at 10 o'clock today. Yeah. 10 o'clock, we're going to know the, the full lineup. So, we'll all be huddled around, computers near down, no doubt. Well, you know what? And the Foo Fighters actually will bring in some... An older crowd, because usually oh, yeah. Lollapalooza has become so young. And by the Damn way, kids make days. no mistake about it, cheese. Since you won, they are putting on Lollapalooza just to vaccinate the young people. I'm going with yeah, that. It had nothing to do with the money or the economy. No, or that the hotels too. Or... But when you think about, I mean, this is they were canceling summer fests around the suburbs. I am shocked they're putting on Lollapalooza. Well. How, are they, gonna, how, well how are they going to regulate vaccination or a negative COVID test will be required upon entry mm-hmm. at Lollapalooza? No one's going to get the negative how COVID test every day. Is it normally, is it a single day event? No, it's multiple no, days. No, it's four days. Four days. Four days. So and it you starts have... on what, like a Thursday? Yeah. Yeah. Thursday, I... sorry? Yeah. You're going to have to get in line on Monday as they're checking vaccination and or COVID. Well, or you have to get a COVID test every day, not just once. Oh, for the. come on. That's what I mean. Everyone's going to get vaccinated. No, but they how might are they going to regulate that? Are you vaccinated? Where's you, you're going you to have your girls yeah. walking in a bikini and nothing Her, else. They it's, said they might put an on app on your what phone. Is this, what's going on at Lollapalooza? Oh, yeah. Show. Believe me. These yeah. girls these kids, these days. They're kids. These girls they walking in. They wear nothing. It's very hippie-ish, actually. It's the only thing I like about it. Yeah. Yeah, these young kids, they they are they kind of you know reinvent Woodstock a little bit at Lollapalooza. So the big news, Lollapalooza, from that standpoint, a kind of a, a return to hashtag old normal. Also, some news about Navy Pier. So if you've been out to Navy Pier since it reopened just three weeks ago, is it roughly? Yeah, it seems like it. Seems like about three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I guess you'd call it a, a tiered opening, a partial opening, where, and I've been down there a couple times now, the outdoor ven- vendors or businesses like the restaurant, Harry Carey's, um, what else, what's the one that sells margaritas? This is a margaritaville? margaritaville? Is it Margaritaville? Yeah, it know. is. It Maybe might be it Jimmy is. Buffett's Margaritaville. Yeah, yeah. possibly. You've got hmm. Billy Goat, Billy places Goat, that have yeah. outdoor patios or serving, they, they are open. Those ones are open kind of along uh, along the pier, but the ones inside, yeah. I, I've never been inside. It's like a little it's food like court. It's like a food court. Okay. Yeah. So that's been closed. Um, we're hearing 
that was going to be part of this new tiered reopening starting this weekend with 100% fully open Navy Pier, as you remember it, Woo. coming Memorial Day weekend. Nice. Which is next, next yeah. Memorial Day weekend's next weekend. No. Right. Well, Summer's Thursday. Almost over already. Tomorrow, gradual opening. Yeah. So they're, they're doing it slowly, but yeah, so by then it'll be all open. Yeah. What about the fountain? The Fountain. I love Buckingham Fountain. Buckingham Fountain. It is so absolutely We're getting back gorgeous. to normal, right? Yeah. That, Can we to celebrate me, that? Buckingham Fountain screams summer. When you see okay. that thing go off, you know you are in the midst of summer in the hot city. And that's right. supposed to be yeah. Friday, uh, Saturday. Saturday. This Saturday they'll be. And it's a virtual event. I'm not really understanding what that means. <laughs> um that I don't know. Fake water. It's just it'll be a and you know what water. though? Maybe they maybe it'll be blocked off. Maybe they won't allow people to watch, which I don't know why. What do you mean won't allow you to watch? Well, I mean they'll b- get close. They'll block it off because that the plaza around the fountain yeah. is huge. You can really pack a lot of people in there, and maybe that's what they're trying to avoid mm. by a virtual event. I've never understood when they do things. Yeah, like, like, it's like it's that, like yeah. they closed the beach last summer. Right. Hey, like, don't step on the sand. You know. Right. Yeah. It's kind of opening ridiculous. the beaches. Don't congregate. You know, yeah. I can st- I can still stand here and see the water. By the way, you didn't really <laughs> stop me from doing much. Or maybe they'll turn it on at like four in the morning, and that's why it'll be virtual, so you can just see it all day long. Mm. I'm just happy <laughs> beaches know. will be open because now we can go down play a little beach volleyball this summer. Yeah, that's we sure can. do it. Me and my son. Yeah, oh, okay. Come down on the weekend. Yeah. I wasn't sure. But yeah. No, we, I, I looked three. around we the got a three on this, three team. This team is not going to dominate Have any beach volleyball. Have you played beach volleyball before? Oh, yeah. It is so hard. Oh, it's hard, yeah. On the sand, yeah. No, I will sit and watch with my margarita. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't I making a, 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 this wasn't towards your athletic prowess. It was more of the height I was concerned oh, about. Oh, yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, As a three-on-three basketball hops, team, yeah. we're, no. we're, we're in a world of trouble. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I can... Oh, you've got the height. Yeah. I'll play center, yeah. but that's it. There you go. Now we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, I'll still watch. <laughs> Judy just standing in the back with a margarita. And you know what? Try to get a, uh, whatever they call it, a quarter. What, it is? It's very tough it's to get It's very one, hard. They, yeah. Beach volleyball is huge. I got to tell you, this weekend... It's going to feel like summer. Yeah. We're talking. Yeah. You got to go walk Temperatures that start in the 8th, 80s. Mm. This weekend. This weekend. Nick's going to have to get the sh- the short overalls. The short Do ones. they make coveralls in shorts? Oh, he, cuts, oh, he cuts them into shorts, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, make your Sweet own. Sweet Jesus. They do that. sell them as well. Well, again, the big news, Lollapalooza and uh, the hint, the tease, if you will, the Foo Fighters uh, will be at that, which is, again, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome because it's part of getting back. We've seen a variety of these other uh, Riot Fest, other concerts coming back, but but the caveat to Lollapalooza, and and I, I devil's in the details, is you will need proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to enter Lollapalooza. Mark my words, we will see a spike in vaccinations in the next few weeks. Or we will see a spike in counterfeit vaccination cards. One of the two. (laughs) One of the two. Possibly both are going to happen. They're going to have to do something, you know, an app or something. They had already talked about something on your phone. You can just swipe because you're right. That little card that you card got from CBS or Walgreens. I mean, is it time yeah. to laminate or yeah, what? But, but we're talking about something coming up in July. Like, how quickly are they going to be able to turn something like that around? Jul- July 29th. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is not like, well, they've got six months to figure this out. No. <laughs> no, they most certainly don't.
And that and, doesn't exist. And don't right forget now. your vaccination card. It's it's handwritten in pen. Yeah. Well, that's my point. And I'll I be mean, selling. I'll be auctioning mine off. Yeah. Right. Ooh, uh, to big, yeah. To big Foo Fighter fans yeah. <laughs> who don't want to get the shot. Just saying. Just saying. Tickets plus a vaccination card. <sighs> People aren't going to take will the chance. Will I be able to go to the scalper? So will I have to go to the scalper and I'll go? Yeah, I'll take uh, two tickets, four days, and a vax card. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I wonder if that. Oh, they'll have them. You know, I can't wait to see what the prices are this year. Well, they go on sale at noon. Yeah. And oh, they, annou- they announce the yeah. uh, acts at ten. Give you yeah, two hours to marinate, right? And then you can you can go. And, well, because you can buy the pass for four days, or you can just go daily. Hey, I hope some of you save that twelve hundred bucks. You know, I hope some of you oh, save there some you go. Stimulus money. Stimulus money there. You're going to need it because yeah. there's going to be some uh, pent up demand, if you will, and you can see how these tickets could get real pricey real fast. I mean, they used to sell tickets. Before they even announced the lineup, yeah. she would sell the tickets. Oh, yeah. They do that like, the big, the big festivals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going either way. There's going to be 100 bands. I'll yeah. like a few of them. Exactly. At some point. You would hope. Lollapalooza is back. We've got Buckingham Fountain. We've got Pier reopening. Mm, beaches. Call it Chicago Vold. Hashtag Old Normal is coming our way. So there are sayings out there, dare I say, that have become commonplace that aren't true, <laughs> are just wrong. And I, geez, I, I credit you with, with uh, finding the list of this, if you will. Some of these things, let me give you an example. Start, fi- just fire it right off. You can cancel any time. You hear that a lot? <laughs> yeah. Horse hockey. Yeah. I spent an hour and a half yesterday trying to cancel a subscription service. I don't want to say the company. Okay. Not, not, yeah. I I was Googling, how do you cancel? Have, has anybody ever tried to cancel cable? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's going to take an afternoon. You're yeah. going to need a day off of work. Okay. Cancel anytime. <laughs> Horse hockey. Yeah. All right. That is absolutely not true. Anybody who's tried to cancel a subscription or something to something uh, or, or cancel their cable or Internet. Yeah, they or, know that's not real. Or, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you need to cancel 24 hours in advance. So we're still going to charge you. There is. Uh, yeah, right. Don't get me started. I slept like a baby last night. Babies sleep like crap, right? When you when somebody says I slept like a baby last night, I look at him and go, so you cried all night and pooped at yourself? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> what do you mean? Woke up every two hours. Woke up, yeah. 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 That's through about Stephanie. She knows. Through three, three your... Is there? Yeah. But yeah. really, Nick, it's more like sleeping like a toddler would be better. Right? Not a baby. Yeah, there's a... Right. Oh, Ooh, God. Those yeah. are good. Yeah. Oh, get so much done. Then that's when that's when you call to cancel a sub- subscription. <laughs> subscription. <laughs> this is my favorite. Ready. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's a comment. Really? Words have damaged me more than any physical pain ever has. That is so true. <laughs> I've always seen this one. Money doesn't buy you happiness. I'm like, you know who came up with that? Poor person. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> that's who came yeah. up with it. Yeah, let me throw, throw it to you this way: Have you ever been sitting around with a stack of hundreds, about eyeball high, going, "I am miserable. This is horrible. This is horrible." No, 
What am I going to do with all this money? Yeah. I, I've got more cash than I could possibly deal with. I could buy happiness. Boo-hoo. Yeah. No. You can, yeah, yeah. You can buy happiness. Or you can get something pretty damn cool. You can get someone to pretend to be happy, if nothing else. Right. You can hire them. The early bird gets the worm. You've heard that one, haven't you? I've never understood that one. Yeah. Well, and for us getting up so early in the morning, I say so early. I know some people get up earlier. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But we're on the air at 530. We're here at 430 in the morning. Um... There's something to be said for getting rest. <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah. something to be said for getting a full night's sleep. The early bird is tired and crabby. Ouch. <laughs> right? Ouch. And I don't want a worm anyways. Yeah, exactly. Who needs the worm? I love this one. Ready. A watched pot never boils. <laughs> I've heard that before. Well, who came up with that? Oh, it'll boil. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can like, stare at it. My grandma always used to say that. I stand there waiting for, you know. Yeah. So, how many of you, maybe as 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 kids, were told an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and you've been eating an apple every day? You ever been to a doctor? Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. An apple is not a substitute for medical care. Just going to throw it out there. Obviously. Oh, oh now that makes sense. That I understand. It's the the apple people came up with that one. It's the apple. Yeah. It's the it's the apple lobby. Here's one that yeah. Yeah. it's the apples. exactly Get the, people to believe it's better than a doctor. Yeah, it's the best marketing ploy ever. Now Nick will understand this one, which I always hated hearing. Kids will be kids. Mm. Yeah, no, no, they'll be brats, and you you have to discipline them. Oh, kids are just kids. <laughs> the customer's always right. Oh. Anybody that works in customer service or deals with the with the uh, general population, general population, ro- just rolled their. Eye. Yeah. I, I heard it. Yeah, I'm on the radio. I can hear your eye roll from here, <laughs> where you said the reality is the customer's wrong roughly nine times out of ten. Yeah, and they're complete morons. It was like that when I bought it. <laughs> was it? I didn't wear it. <laughs> tags. I took the tags off when I wore it fifteen oh, times. My goodness. <laughs> I, and I think Marv has actually used this one on us. I'm ready. There are no stupid questions. Bull. Mm, yeah, right? most of them are. I want everybody to come up with a question. There are no. That's like no one of the rules questions. to brainstorming, which is one of my things I hate more than anything. Our yeah. brainstorming meetings, where they go, okay, so there's no bad ideas, and I always raise my hand. Yeah. By the way, there are bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there right now. <laughs> I, I appreciate for the purpose of brainstorming, you think there's no bad ideas, but I would like to share with you some really bad ideas that have come out of brainstorming before. And now, so, yeah, there are no stupid questions. There's just stupid people that ask them. Oh, Keep that there in you mind. go. So and now the, I'm I'm like thinking about that term brainstorming. Yeah. Who came up with that? Not me. <laughs> Somebody with a brain. Speaking of storms, every cloud has a silver lining. But does it? I got one for you. Why do we say it's like taking candy from a baby? <laughs> Who the hell is stealing candy from babies? <laughs> Why are you giving candy to babies, Who first of all? Who are people? First yeah. Of, yeah, they're teeth. Trying to get that sucker out of that hand. Okay. Kids, they, babies shouldn't you know, have a yeah. baby roof, for God's sakes. <laughs> but why are you then stealing candy from an infant who can't defend themselves from you, the candy thief? Who are you people? <laughs> who are you people? Although, if it is a Reese's and the kid's alone, I'm taking it. If you don't succeed the first time, try, try again. That is complete horse crap. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Some things you suck at, okay? 
And and let's just be re- real about it. Because, like, you see this. Let's throw the boss Marv under the bus again. So he coaches uh, Little League. Yeah. And there are some kids on the Little League team. I'm going to tell you right now. They may turn out to be fantastic doctors, <laughs> lawyers. Yeah. Physicists. But not Bob. They will never be baseball players. Derek Jeter, they are not. If at first you don't succeed, quit and go pick up a book, (laughs) kid, because you have no athletic ability whatsoever. Oh, my God. That is the worst analogy. I don't think That's not what it's about. Yes, it is. No. And if it's worth doing, it's worth winning. I look at this, and it's true. You do something, and you let's say you do it wrong. You're doing it wrong, and then you just keep trying and trying to do it wrong. No, there's some people that will fail forever. No. If at first you don't succeed, quit. Nobody likes a loser. If you don't succeed, try a different way. Or try something different. Yeah, try something different. Exactly. (laughs) I I absolutely love it. Because we always say that all the time, right? (laughs) These are cracking me up. Practice makes perfect? No, it doesn't. You could practice your whole life and never get to perfect. Practice might make you better, yeah. but practice doesn't make perfect. Never mm-hmm. in my life. Flattery will get you nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> flattery, at, least, at least that changed over the years where people finally started saying, you know, flattery will get yeah, you everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is will. funnier. Yeah. It yeah. will. Absolutely. Yeah. Flattery works. Why do you think every day when Marv walks, Marv, you're looking fabulous. Oh, oh my God. What a handsome oh devil yeah. you are. Shorts on you. Oh, legs those on legs. that guy. Work out? Oh, man. He must work out. <laughs> the physique on that cat. <laughs> Judy, your favorite? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Oh, my gosh. What was the, uh, the comment under that was really that I've got a hammer that wants to meet your knees? There you go. <laughs> Just saying. Really? I know, right? Oh, my gosh. These are so funny. You can't judge a book by its cover. Really? (laughs) Really? Now, you read that one underneath because it's funny. I I, I was going to say. It says, yes, yes, you can. A book titled The Basics of Quantum Physics is probably about the basics basics of of quantum quantum physics. physics. (laughs) I can absolutely tell you what this book is about. You absolutely can judge a book. Yeah. When I go, when I when I go to bookstores, I judge books by their cover. That's what pulls me into a book. Okay, I thought see. this would have been. This is should be your favorite, Bruce. I'm ready. You won't have a calculator with you every day. <laughs> <laughs> How many teachers said that? Oh that. my goodness! Carry one we with do. me everywhere yeah, yeah, I go. I will. Still time for our criminal of the day. Nice. Hey, I got to give a shout out to Melanie Escalera. A Florida woman who's a bit confused on the concept of designated driver, (laughs) allegedly. Escalera hit not one, not two, but three parked cars on a street in Port St. Lucie, Florida. After striking the third vehicle, her car caught fire, mercifully (laughs) sparing more parked cars, I'm going to assume. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Responding officers extinguished the car fire, at which point Escalera told them, she was, quote, a designated driver, despite the open bottle of Kentucky whiskey in the now smoldering car and having a blood alcohol content twice the legal Ouch. limit. So for totally misunderstanding the concept of designated driver, you, Melanie Esclera, 
are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Hey, good morning to you and a happy Wednesday. We'll jump into our six o'clock hour. Taking a look at the big stories that people are talking about. Cheese, kick us off. Oh, sadly, actor Charles Grodin dies mm. at 86 of marrow cancer, though. 86. I hope I live to be 86. Where is that? Judy Pilate. Pretty good old age. Tokyo doctors say cancel the Olympics. Japan mm. is in a renewed state of emergency with a spike in COVID. More than 6,000 doctors say they have their hands full. Mm. Lollapalooza is back July 29th. Get ready to throw down. Yes. With the Foo Fighters, the rest of the acts to be announced at 10 o'clock today. But you're going to need to show your Vax card <laughs> or negative COVID test to get in. huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of interesting. Our friend um, uh, Marianne Ahern with NBC here, right? Yep. We've had her on before. I just learned she's across the hall. Right down the hall. Literally. Yeah. Like, not figured, like... Yeah, they have their floor. offices down there. On oh, yeah. floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see her every day. You see her every day? Yeah. Have I seen her and just not realized it? Probably, because she's got a mask on, walking to the bathroom. Hi, Mary. She's got a um, little studio down there. So, Marianne Ahern sent out a tweet yesterday, and I saw it, and I wasn't sure. It's one of those ones, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Not that I don't trust her, but I want to see where it's going. Her tweet was... As, and she did at Chicago's mayor, which is Mayor Lightfoot's Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. So she, don't at me, bro. She added her. So as Mayor Lightfoot reaches her two-year midway point as mayor, her spokeswoman says Lightfoot is granting one-on-one interviews only to black or brown journalists. This was then confirmed by Paris Schultz. Shoots. Shoots. I apologize. It says shoots. With WTTW. With Chicago tonight. And by, you're going to make me, I'm butchering Heather Sharon. Yep. Uh, with DTD. Who said they were told the same thing. Hmm. I have a problem with this. I have a problem with it. And and it's it's more of just a fundamental. Listen, I'm a, I'm a resident of Chicago. Okay. Is is Mayor Lightfoot the mayor for everyone? Is Mayor Lightfoot only the mayor for black and brown? Has there been an issue in the past where uh, these journalists weren't allowed access? Because uh, I, 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 I haven't seen that, you yeah. know. I mean, that would have been really odd before, you know. I we don't know because her office hasn't commented. Right, which means it's true, or else it would come out and go, this is crazy. But it's, And again, you've had three different reporters now say, nope, I was told the same thing. I think she should provide normal access to journalists of all races. But excluding members of the press based on skin color alone, isn't that the definition of racism? Isn't that the definition? Pretty much. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Not based on it's their very seniority. That, yeah. Not based on what uh, media outlet they yeah. work for. Not based on whether you got a beef with them personally. Strictly based on skin color. I mean, it's a huge, if true, a huge misstep on her part. It just, I, I, I'm really, really surprised. I don't think she should exclude now, black or brown journalists, right. but I don't think she should exclude 
non-black or brown. Yeah. And I was either. thinking, if she, even if she meant, you know what, I'm going to give them first ups. Okay. okay. I'm going to call and on them first I, yeah, at a press I even, conference. I even have, you don't even need to make that announcement. You just do it. No, I mean, she's going to give them one-on-one interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what this is about, one-on-ones, which she just never does, hardly. So I could see even if she said, all right, I'm going to do that first, because maybe in her mind, they don't get a lot of uh, big interviews. Again, I've been in this industry my whole life. This, to me, the the journalist industry is not a lot of racism, if any. Wouldn't you agree, Nick? I mean, it just doesn't go that well, way. But when it's I look like, at the, when I look at like the minorities- pool the, the, of, of journalists in the city of Chicago... It looks like the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Right, but but I'm talking about, it's not like Heck, they get minorities. they a girl on, on WGN TV. Oh, I can't even understand her through her Irish accent, for goodness sake. <laughs> right, and it's <laughs> not she's, like she's minorities get are not <laughs> getting interviews. It's right, not right. like that. I do, I've never excluded. seen at, yeah, at stories where they just call on the white journalists. It just doesn't happen. Well, that would Everyone, be an outrage. It would be an outrage, and I think in our, especially in this industry, of this news industry, we all respect each other, and so I don't understand I'm trying to say to myself, well, maybe that's what she meant. Well, I'm going to give them first ups and because they don't usually get it. But I don't think that's true. I think if you're a good journalist, you get the interview. And the fact that Marianne Ahern hasn't gotten it really bothers me because I consider her a really good journalist. Well, it it makes it also seem like like you're you're trying to duck certain people. Does does Mayor Lightfoot believe and I would hope this wasn't true that. African-American or Latino journalists in Chicago would be easier on her, would not ask tough questions, would not call her on misstep, because that's what it almost, you know, what is the implication? Well, why are you only talking to journalists of minority groups? Do you think they're going to ask you completely different questions? Are they going to be more softballs? I I put this up on the Facebook, the Bruce St. James. I always get comments. So this was interesting. I got this from Nick. Tell me if you agree or disagree with this. He said, maybe you could view this as insurance that city and state news outlets who are going to want to interview her are hiring non-white writers. He used this as an example. Nick said, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt did something similar during FDR's presidency. I'm going to have to take your word for it. I wasn't around. She would hold press conferences at the White House, but only allow female reporters. It created a hiring boom for female journalists. Is Mayor Lightfoot's uh, argument she, behind this said, if I only inter- if I only accept one-on-one interviews from black and brown journalists, that all of the media will have to hire black and brown journalists? Yeah, but I, I, I just don't think that's true. Already there, right. yeah. But that's my point. Yeah. And I, th- I, don't I don't see think it as that, an all-white club. It's not a. I don't see it as a problem here. I mean, of course, it used to be. And believe me, even being a woman mm-hmm. in a newsroom used to. You know, I remember a time where I was maybe the only girl there. Yeah, that's changed. I like you said earlier. It's all different colors, all different sexes. It's. I don't see the problem. I, I mean, and if they, if she sees the problem, that's something new to us. Also, it's her office, let's not forget. The mayor could come out and say, oh, my, I, I never said that. I, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know what they were thinking. I'm going to fire so-and-so for saying that. Because this is, no matter which way you slice this, it looks bad. Yeah. 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 I... And when she does give the first interview to a black or brown person, <laughs> all hell's going to break loose. 
So we're, it'll be interesting to see where this goes because but these okay. journalists who are responding are very trusted sources. So here, right, right. Yeah, they, this, they wouldn't be uh, making this no, up, right? No. And Beginning what would be, what would be in, in it for you to start making up this story? I mean, Marianne posted that because it was so outrageous. Right. And you have three different local journalists with different outlets all saying they were told the same thing from the mayor's spokes, spokeswoman. Hmm. So that that is... It wasn't just one person or a game of telephone, you know what I'm saying, and you misheard it, this, that, and the other. You have multiple people confirming it. I, I again, say I, that. I try to, would why, say would, that. why would you say it? And, and I don't even want to get into the what about, well, what if a white, you know, yeah. you know, I oh, mean, yeah. I, I get, you know, that, that the point being is, Mayor Lightfoot, you're the mayor of Chicago. You're not the mayor of black Chicago. You're not the mayor of brown Chicago. You're the mayor of Chicago. And journalists, we, we had, we've been talking about the, the trouble at the Tribune and the idea that we need journalists. We need them to ask hard hitting questions. We need them to hold, uh, elected officials or the powerful accountable. Yeah, it's their right? job. Yeah. It's yeah. their job. Their job is not to go in there and say, Mayor Lightfoot, you look delightful. But today. make no, That's mis- not the job. make no mistake. This is her choice. She, no, Mayor Lightfoot. She, yep. She gets to give an interview to whoever, whomever she wants. And the fact is, as the mayor, I could see her going, she's going to pick the journalist who's going to be easiest on of her. Of course And that's would. her prerogative. That's fine. Right. But, you know. But she's saying she's they're going to the be ma- easier on her because right. of their skin color. Which she's, I think no, no, is a, she's not saying. No one said I think that. That's, no one said. Who said that? I I did. Oh, you did. You, you <laughs> said did. she did. Because You're she says she will only grant one-on-one interviews to black or brown I, journalists. See, to me, that could mean so many different things. It could mean because she's black and she thinks they don't get big interviews or she wants to help them. It could be anything. It could also be that she thinks they're going to be easier. But the fact is, as the mayor, you're right. She can't. A mayor who starts to do that, who starts to pick and choose and not give interviews to everyone, is a mayor who won't be around long. I'll tell you that right now. Horrible reports coming out of uh, the Middle East, specifically Israel versus uh, the Palestinians, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the violence that mm-hmm. continues, the, the the human misery, the tragedy that that is going on there. And we wanted to understand a little bit more about it. So joining us right now, live from Jerusalem, is Jordana Miller, ABC News correspondent. First off, good morning. Are you uh, are you on edge there? I, I'm just curious as to kind of the what the vibe is in Jerusalem because running it through my filter, Jordana, I think I'd be a little bit hesitant to be there. Right. Well, it feels very tense here in Jerusalem, not because we're coming under a direct rocket fire, but we're not. We had sirens and rockets on the very first day of this Mm -hmm. conflict more than a week ago. Um, But now we're seeing uh, some clashes uh, in East Jerusalem uh, between uh, Palestinians and Arab residents and Israeli police uh, there. Um, That is always a flashpoint at the Damascus Gate and by the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Uh, and we're seeing um, some clashes in uh, East Jerusalem neighborhood uh, where some residents there um, may be forced out of their homes. Uh, we're not sure. The Supreme Court here in Israel is still ruling uh, on the appeal of the families, but there's an effort, a private effort, not by the state, not by the army, uh, to move these uh, families out of East Jerusalem, uh, and, and that has caused a lot of uh, tension um, but I, I have to say, I think, you know, a lot of the country in general feels tense, yeah. whether you're directly under fire or not. And in the south, you know, as the rocket fire gets further north, 
into Ashkelon, Ashdod, Be'er Sheva, and central Israel, you know, you know, between one and two million Israelis are vulnerable to uh, these rockets and are staying, you know, uh, more or less off, trying to stay off the streets at home by their safe rooms. You know, children are not in schools. Parents are working from home. Thankfully, because of COVID, some are used to it. But yeah. uh, it is a tense time, and um, you know, many people hoping that it will end in the next few days. Yeah. Uh, we're just we're just not sure yet. And are these uh, these street clashes you were describing? That's kind of a newer thing, right? I mean, that didn't normally happen when when things erupted in the past. So uh, the actual clashes at the Damascus Gate and the Al Aqsa Mosque. They are very, very uh, typical uh, during, especially during the month of Ramadan, which just ended. Um, and when there are uh, um, operations, military conflicts with Gaza, uh, the area here in East Jerusalem tends to get, um, you know, uh, it tends to boil over. Um, what is new uh, this time around were a lot of the clashes we saw in mixed Jewish Arab cities across Israel, which I think took everyone first by surprise. Places like Haifa and Batyam and Akko, uh, even in Jaffa in Tel Aviv, where communities have lived side by side, but somehow the conflict uh, was able to really bring to the surface uh, deep uh, tensions that, that mm. had kind of laid dormant there. Uh, so we saw Jewish mobs attacking Arabs. We saw Arab mo- mobs attacking Jews. Um, and that's something Israel's going to have to really confront uh, after this conflict ends. Yeah, people t- turning on their neighbors of long yeah, time, if you can imagine personal. that. Yeah, uh, Jordana yeah. Miller, ABC News correspondent in Jerusalem. Sp- speaking of that, like I'm, I'm trying to get a sense, and, and I have to rely on people like you that are literally on the ground there in Jerusalem, how the... I'll use the term average, everyday, maybe not as political, Israeli or Palestinian is dealing with this. I I get a sense that there's plenty of people that are certainly not in favor of the violence on either side. Well, I think, you know, it is always um, a sad and repeating theme of these conflicts between Israel and the militant uh, group Hamas, uh, which... Israel and the United States consider a terrorist group that runs the Gaza Strip, that the civilians really on both sides end up paying a steep price for this conflict. You know, here uh, in Israel, uh, you know, life has become, you know, has virtually stopped in the south of Israel. And, um, you know, people are sleeping in their shelters, in their bomb shelters. Uh, and it's, you know, it is a terrifying situation because people don't know where these rockets are going to hit. They're not precision guided. It's not as if Hamas is only targeting military places like, uh, you know, soldiers or tanks or troops or air bases or military bases. They're just hitting indiscriminately. They're fired indiscriminately. So that is that creates kind of a blanket of fear, a kind of psychological uh, terror. Uh, on the other side, it's absolutely terrifying for Gazans. Um, because they don't even have uh, shelters or safe rooms. Hamas, you know, they're a military organization, um, you know, and they're interested in their resistance to the state of Israel, uh, which they reject. They reject even the the right of Israel to exist by and large. And uh, they don't invest in these things to protect their people. uh, So they don't even have a place to run. So it's really terrifying for the Palestinians also. Jordana, how how should I read the... the 
again, the 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 everyday Palestinian. Um, are they supportive of Hamas? I know Hamas was elected. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, a, a, an election there might be a little different than what we call it. But do, do they have popular support, or is it people are afraid of them? Like I, I, I still don't understand. Is Hamas speaking for Palestinians? That's a terrific question. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I would say that, you know, the Palestinian street is very divided. It is divided between those who support the Western-backed, more moderate uh, Palestinian president who sits in Ramallah in the West Bank, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, and those who are more militant and strident and support Hamas, uh, which is ruling the Gaza Strip. Uh, we have to remember that the people in the Gaza Strip they don't have an opportunity to necessarily hold demonstrations or protest or demand uh, kind of uh, accountability from their leaders. Uh, we've seen little bubbles of that kind of, uh, um, we could call it uh, civil unrest there, and it is very quickly, quickly put down, uh, whether arrests or even sometimes people who are killed. Um, so it is, they rule the gods of strip with an ironclad uh, fist. Uh, and I would say part of what's happening in this big eruption of violence is that Hamas is trying to say, we represent the Palestinian people. You know, the Palestinian president's weak. He's done nothing for the Palestinian street. He, you know, hasn't made many strides towards a state, uh, you know, or uh, rights in Jerusalem. And now we're going to, you know, we want to take over okay. this, the, the mantle. And, and, the question is whether it will work on the street, whether they will gain you know, more popularity. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to work, especially when this is all over in Gaza and see the destruction you know, of their cities and neighborhoods. Yeah. Jordana, thank you for your time today. Please be safe. Jordana Miller, ABC News correspondent in Jerusalem as this conflict continues. Uh, you know. Like, like we forbid, no end in sight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and both sides for completely different reasons, uh, have a vested interest in continuing, uh, th this fight and this destruction. I've spent a lot of time driving extremely fast, doing dangerous things, but it's interesting because I had, I did not bring a car to Chicago when I moved here. Mm -hmm. So I don't, don't, don't need one. Well, I live across the street. Mm -hmm. And by the way, do you see what they charge you to park cars? Oh, yeah, I was like, no. yeah. the hell I will, better I think was the answer. Better off just buying a spot for $50,000. No, you're not better <laughs> off buying a spot for $50,000. But I, um, uh, last weekend, I flew to Washington, D.C., picked mom up, mm -hmm. and drove her out to the beach. A two and a half hour drive. And it dawned on me. You know, I haven't been behind the wheel very much. And how perishable a skill is driving. Now, isn't it just like riding a bike? No. <laughs> and I am aware, I'm an active driver. I don't eat or drink when I drive. I don't like talking on the phone when I'm driving. That's I drive. a good thing. Okay. Focus. Yeah. I liked it. I enjoy driving. I found, here's, can I tell you what I noticed right off the bat? I can't park. Get out. You and everyone I, else. I can't get between the lines. I can't. I mean, I pulled into a place and I got out. And I go, geez, that's not even close. I had to back up and get back in. I'm like, how did I forget how to park? How come I can't tell where the corners of the car are anymore? I repark a lot. But, re but you know, I Let's wish everyone that. would do that because even here in the building, 
Yeah. The cars, I, I can't get in spots. People are parking like they've never driven a car before. I can't. Everyone's rusty. Jumped a couple curbs oh, the, over the weekend. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Where did I turn into? Right? And I, yeah. you know, I, I like to, th- again, I'm engaged in driving. But I even found, wow, if you don't drive for a while, and then you get behind the wheel, it ain't like riding a bike. People say it's like riding a bike. I fell off a lot of bikes. I still have a scar somewhere from my, <laughs> I got a scar on my, my left arm from, from a bike crash. So, um, now that people are maybe getting back into hashtag old normal routines, maybe you're going back to work on a regular basis or whatever, and you're pulling that car out of the garage. There's plenty of stories Do out some there. some practice laps? Yeah. <laughs> Here's I, not. I would just say this: Don't assume you're as good a driver as you used right. to be. Just don't make that assumption. If you're at least more engaged in it, you can maybe avoid an accident or or damaging your car or whatnot. But and it's the route too. Don't forget that. Well, you will. You have forgotten your route a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I I've been driving places. You know, just as you said, going out more and more, and like going to my dad's house. I didn't forget how to go, but I it, nothing looked that familiar to me. How many <laughs> the times trees have, I, have grown? Yeah, oh my gosh, is that, that a new building. house? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exa- Where'd that I'm mall not come kidding. From? A new traffic light? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing what. I, it's so funny. Even driving um, home, I usually take the Eisenhower. But mm-hmm. one time, oh, maybe I was going to my dad's. I was taking um, the Kennedy. Well, there's construction. You know, it's probably been going on for two years, for all I know. Yeah. And my exit was blocked. I didn't know what to do. I kept driving. I'm like, oh my god, where am I going to end up? Do you know, you that, know where I ended up in at Nick's Wisconsin? Farm. Yeah, I was pretty far <laughs> out there. Neurologists, yes, people that study the brain say this is a thing. Memories are stored across a network in the brain, rather just in one location. With neurologist Dr. Peterson at the Mayo Clinic, smarty pants. Mm. Said these memory patterns probably haven't been used for months, six months, eight months, or a year. The behaviors that are associated with them have to be reinvigorated or re-stimulated, but they're still there. In other words, if you're getting back behind the car, wheel of the car and you haven't been driving for a while or haven't been driving often, it, it is not like riding a bike. And you are going to curb not reflex. it. And you are going to park diagonally across two spots and yeah. have to get out and go, when did I become a jerk? People hole? are taking really wide turns, too. Good. I like to stay away from everyone now. Yeah, they're stay just away from they're everyone. Like, Whoa. And, and here's something interesting. If you think traffic sucks in the afternoon, you're right. And it's now worse. According to the traffic Brutal. patterns, it's worse in the afternoons than it used to be. It's still better in the mornings. Mm-hmm. I know some of you sitting still right now are like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm fucking yeah, reach through the radio. My, better yeah. my patootie. Yeah. But they so say... So it's not rush hour is what you're saying. It is rush hour in the afternoons, but it's exasperated. God, I hope that word means what I think it, does. it means. Yeah. The, uh, by... No, I'm sorry. It's exacerbated. People who are at home still, working from home, taking care of kids... But they go out and do all their errands in the mm, afternoon. Do they? Yeah. So they pile out onto the street mixed in with the normal rush right. hour traffic. And they're saying afternoons is even worse. It, that's crazy. I have totally noticed that. You have noticed. It's a, kind of like the shopping hour. Like at the, around 3 o'clock, so I'll mm-hmm. be driving my daughter to work. I'm like, what? quite frankly, I think if all those people weren't out doing errands, it, that there would be no rush hour. It would just it'd be a little bit more crowded. 
But it is like full-blown yeah. rush hour now. Afternoons are. And those are the people going, turning into stores, making wide turns. And parking, parking. across the white, yeah. right in the middle of the oh white gosh. line. Like, you didn't even come close I, to that it, one, dude. It's Not even close. <laughs> Only because I had personal experience with this. The eviction moratorium that when COVID hit, not just here in Illinois, everywhere, there was concerns about people losing their jobs. You remember what that was like a year ago, right? Inability to pay, inability to pay rent if you're a renter. So there, you couldn't get kicked out of your, your home or your apartment. Just this week, Governor Pritzker announced that moratorium is going to be coming to an end. And what does that mean for a lot of renters? What does it mean for landlords? Because I think that the landlords are left out of this discussion. And I have, I have more than one friend who are landlords. They're not billionaires. They don't own apartment complexes. They have a home that maybe they inherited from a, 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 a parent or family member that passed away. Maybe they had some extra money. They invested in a home and they rented out as a source of revenue. They're not. Living high on the hog. Or this a is a source of income. That's this is a source income. of income. This is how they make their money. And if no one has to pay rent and you can't kick them out, well, now what? Well, joining us to help understand that a little better is Jane Garvey with Chicago Creative Investors Association. First off, Jane, good morning to you. Good morning, Bruce. Thank you for having me on here. No problem. Jane, what has, what has the last year or so looked like for landlords and how difficult has this been? It has been horrifying. Um, eviction moratoriums, basically, most of us don't want to evict anybody anyway. No. And if they were having a, a problem, you know, legitimate problem, most of the landlords that I know would work with them as best they could. But as you probably know, uh, things aren't free. <laughs> a landlord, even if they own their property free and clear, still has expenses that usually amount to 50 or 60% of the rent that they would collect. And if they aren't collecting rent, they have to somehow figure out how to pay those bills. And, I mean, property taxes alone, and mm. they probably eat up 30 to 40% of your typical rent collections. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up in Illinois and yeah. Chicago. <laughs> the property tax issue. And, it, and, of course, they're going up. I mean, it's kind of I like... How in the world can they raise this when you don't have money coming in? And, of course, there's maintenance. I mean, somebody's got to mow the lawn, shovel the snow. Patch the roof, fix the it's, fridge, well, whatever it might be, right? Patching the roof and, you know, fixing yeah. the appliances that break and all those kinds of things. There's insurance. Um, there's, in some places, people are paying the utilities for because they're not separately metered or whatever. Um and you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's there's so landlords that have not been getting rent typically have a tough time surviving in the normal time that it takes to evict someone, which in Chicago can be like six months. Normal, yeah, okay, yeah, or longer. So, or longer. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them take over a year. Right, yeah, fighting it exactly. So the governor is going to phase out the eviction moratorium by August. And in addition, so he's putting another, what, one and a half billion dollars toward the renter's assistant program, where I, I'm 
almost positive that mo- all that money, if you get the money, it has to go to the landlord. So that should help, right? Well, it should help for some people. Um, it, this particular round of it, the landlord is, has to start the application, and they've got from uh, June, wait, from now, actually opened on May 17th, mm-hmm. um, to June 6th to apply, and then they have to get the cooperation of their resident, which could or right. could not be a problem for some of them. Right. So you're saying and the landlord has to apply, not the renter. The landlord has to apply this round. Okay. Um, and this is through the Illinois Housing Development Authority. Jane, I have a question for you. Again, Jane Garvey's with the Chicago Creative Investors Association. If you are a renter and you have not been paying rent and you haven't been able to be evicted and this moratorium comes up, what happens? Are landlords going to be able to demand all of the back rent or else you get evicted? Like, like I, I see this as some kind of an explosion that's about to happen, and I just don't know what it's going to look like. Well, um, the landlord can certainly demand that you pay the rent. And, in fact, you should have been paying the rent all along if you could, or as much of it as you could. But the you know some people have rent. taken advantage of that and just have said, well, you can't kick me out, I'm not going to pay a nickel. Right, and and lots of those people are not covered under this emergency rental assistance program. Ah. They've got, you know, it's a sieve with huge holes in it. So many landlords will not be recovering anything. Many landlords will be recovering a little bit of it through this. And it's not the end of the funding that's happening. I mean, Chicago's opening a program soon also out of the same. This funding was approved by Congress on December 20th, as I recall. So this is... Still money that's just kind of trickling down, taking forever to get here. So, are, I mean, are the landlords going to be able to recover at some point or not? I have no idea. Hmm. I mean, I, out of the things that have been approved already, I would say no. Uh, there are landlords who have already lost their properties. They can't recover this. Um, there's residents that have vacated the property now, you know, owing back rent, you know, 10, 12 months worth of it. Right. You can imagine how much that could be, right? Wow. Yeah, and and yes, somebody can take them to court, you know, sue them, and then get a judgment. And but that I costs money. Landlords that tend, you know, talk, tend to talk about judgments as something you can use as wallpaper because they're somewhat worthless. Yeah. You right. can't collect from people who don't have money or, who, you know, hide from you or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, yes, a, a tenant, let's say a tenant is, let's just take the legitimate ones that actually have a COVID yeah. problem. They lost their job, whatever, and they've been making payments to the best of their ability. And the eviction moratorium starts getting phased out. Their landlord could take them to court. I would say if a tenant was doing everything they could to get payments made, you know, assisting with these rental assistance programs, looking for funds that are coming, you know, flowing, and getting that to the landlord. I would say most landlords will work out payment plans with them if they can. It makes more sense for them, right, than going out and trying to find a new tenant and starting that whole process over. But on the other hand, the ones who haven't been making the honest effort, the landlords now can say, you're gone, right? Yeah. 
Well, they can say you're gone, but then basically they start the eviction process, and it takes... Like we just said, wow. six it takes six months to, longer. Oh, my goodness. Right. So, I mean, everybody in the news seems to be talking about it as if all of a sudden everybody's going to d- get dumped on the street all at not once. Happen. And that that's not the way it ever happened. Mm. Listen, so, Jane, I, 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 I appreciate your time. I, I'm up against a, a break here, but okay. thank you very much uh, for helping us understand it a little bit more, as much as anybody can. Jane Garvey with Chicago Creative Investors Association about the eviction moratorium coming up, but don't expect that to mean a bunch of people are going to be out on the street. And you know there's people out there that take advantage of this. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I have a friend who was renting a house, and uh, a year ago, you know, the, the renter just said, well, I'm, I don't have to pay rent anymore. Really? Who told you that? <laughs> well, the, the the governor did. No, no, the governor said if you had a hardship and you couldn't be evicted, you're still working. Yeah, well, I'm not going to pay rent. Okay, that's a thing. And so my, mm. my, my friend had to go to court, got three judgments against this person before the cops showed up to literally kick them out. It took almost six months. And now... It's a civil case. If you want all that back rent, you yeah, have to go after them right. and track them down, and they moved out of state. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and luck. again, that ha- costs money yeah. to file a civil suit. It's not but worth it for me. Hopefully those cases are far and few between. I mean, hopefully most people are honest. Hey, good morning to you. It's Bruce. It's Judy. It's Cheese. And we keep hearing about a turn to uh, hashtag old normal. We're all in favor of that, whether it be masks, whether it be traffic, whether it be Lollapalooza coming back, whatever it might be. That's a good thing. But the last year has really changed the way some people look at and approach work. Maybe life would be the best thing. Let's start with life up here. We're at large. Okay, fine. Subchapter work. And while businesses are reopening, some of the offices, think about, think about downtown. Think about all these skyscrapers down here. They're empty. They are empty. As they start to reopen, as these big financial firms here in the, you know, start saying, all right, everybody back to work. We're finding not everybody's excited about that. And some people might be choosing otherwise. I, I shared with you a story. And again, not trying to throw on throw this person under the bus. The boss tried to figure out who it was. Yeah, so was I. Who I spoke? Who works here? Who I had not met. Uh-huh. Uh And talked to on the phone. Who told me, "I'm not coming back to the office. They can open it up all they want. I'm not doing it. Hmm. Not over safety. Not over COVID concerns. Just you know what." I've been working home for a year, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. Even if it's not with WLS. Yeah, hey, there's other jobs in the world. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Apparently, lots of people were saying that. Joining us right now is Dr. Sanam Hafiz. And uh, uh, Dr. Hafiz, you're hearing this, and I'm, I'm curious as kind of with your background, at least in psychology, kind of where this is coming from for so many people. The I'm not going back to the office attitude. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I think I think there is definitely a universal shift in the way we saw work, in the way we saw our previous lives. Um, and there are various reasons. I mean, you know, with some people, even though they've been locked away and sort of cut off from the world, they feel, okay, I'm no longer sitting in traffic or getting on a, a crowded train or a bus and spending, you know, two hours in commute time. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And for some people, that alone is worth it because they feel, all right, you know what? Um, I may not, no longer, you know, have some laughs over coffee or lunch break, but you know what? I get my grocery shopping done on my lunch break now, mm-hmm. or I get to do a little bit of cleaning. So when I log off of work, I'm really kind of done for the day because I, they feel like they got more done, let's say around the house, or they got to make some phone calls off their off time, or people who are on the computer, you know, can do things that you may not be able to see if you're sure. off camera, right? They could be on their phone. They could be doing other things. I mean, look, I can tell you, um, you know, while I was working from home, uh, which is, was a mix of clinical and admin work because I have my own center, you know, my kids were remote, and I'd literally be putting people on, on hold or mute, running over to help my six-year-old, you know, with logging on. You're not the only you know, one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've often said yeah. this feels like it's a, I feel like the pandemic was like a reset for a lot of people, including me, where, you you know, you had time to think about things. Like reprioritize? Right, you mean? And, and the long term, it's like we... We live our life, we were living our life so fast-paced, right? We didn't think about the law. It's like, what's happening now? And I got to get this done. And, and I think it gave people pause. And, and now they're saying, you know what? I might want to do something else. Well, that's absolutely true. I think, I think calling it a reset is a really great way to put it. I think we all sort of shut down and said, oh, wait, what was I always chasing? What was I always mm. doing, you know? And, and I think it, it has made a lot of people rethink their value system, rethink their lives, rethink what's important to them. And I think for a lot of people, the de-escalation of that stress that came with not that, you know, not being in that grind every single day was kind of nice. Um, you know, also understand that a lot of us um, don't realize how many of us actually struggle with anxiety, social anxiety, being around people, making small talk. This isn't easy for everyone. So the things that some of us really miss, you know, seeing our coworkers, having a laugh, having, you know, um, uh, sort of like just office banter, it's not fun for everyone. Some people don't enjoy that. Um, The truth is, though, that your brain suffers when that social interaction is pulled away from it from long periods of time. So the isolation or the sort of the alienation, even if it's self-imposed, actually hurts and damages your brain unbeknownst to you. So in the short term, it may feel rewarding, but it can lead to actual cognitive decline over a long period of time. You know, we're not designed to be tucked away at home. Yeah, I guess that was my concern as you talked about that, Dr. Hafiz, is that that if you are if you do suffer from some anxiety or you do did have some problems in social settings, well, just locking yourself inside your home from now on out it presents its own trouble as well. That, that, that's not a solution to the problem. It is absolutely not. It is. It encourages and enables the problem, which is why the CDC has been reporting that one out of four Americans has depression over the last few months. So mm. those numbers have gone through the roof. Alcohol use has been on the rise. Anxiety has been on the rise. You know, the very closely following next pandemic is the mental health one. We've got a big problem. Yeah, I mean, people I know who are anxious are so much more anxious now. Mm. I mean, it's one thing where, you know, even I I mean, I'll admit I was a little I was a little anxious getting back out there, but not enough to not do it. Some people are just I mean, they're they haven't haven't left their house yet. Yeah, I think. And, and you know, the brain has like muscle memory, right? You start doing things again, they'll all sort of, 
you know, if you have to go back to work, you might groan the first day, the second day, but the third day, it'll be like nothing ever happened. That's just the way the brain is. I mean, look how adaptable we were that we went from having full lives to wearing masks and washing our hands, you know, till they were dry and, and bleeding. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what human beings are capable of, right? So we can we can get back into it. So you know, my advice to uh, people is, you know, take. Take the lessons, the tools, the strategies you learned during this very difficult time. Keep the good stuff and then try to integrate that into your life again. You know, so if you feel, look, I really learned I don't always have to go out with my coworkers on a Friday night or I don't always have to, you know, show up for someone's birthday party in the office. You know, that's okay. If you've learned to set boundaries or you've learned to say no, that's okay. Going to your boss, like your, your one colleague who doesn't want to go come back to work, saying, look, um, you know, I'd like to be able to maybe do some kind of a hybrid thing where or truncated work day. I would really like to leave at three because I had so much traffic and I'll make up those two hours at home because you know we can do this now. Right? So if there are ways that you can adjust or, uh, I guess, fine-tune this it can make returning to work a lot less stressful. You know, someone asked me the other day, I don't know what to wear anymore. <laughs> What's well, a big problem? I don't fit into big problem. What used to wear? Put them on, pants. <laughs> Dr. Hafiz, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. That's Dr. Sanam Hafiz, our, our, our resident psychologist who's helping us as people. Uh, some just deciding, you know what? That, I don't want to go back. Not going to go back. Gonna gonna reprioritize things and make whatever changes it, it does. Well, I think we get into um, routines, and yeah, if it's your hard routine to get out of it. was nine to five and commuting, okay, that was the routine, and you didn't realize it. Now you had a new routine, and you're like, hmm, I think I like that routine better. Yeah, but at some point, reality has to kick in. Does normal it? stuff? Yes, normal, yeah. normal, normal, normal has to come back. Hey, it's gonna be a warm one. Getting warmer, Ooh. right? Those are good. You gonna d- take a dive in that pool of yours? No, certainly, I'm not. Still not that warm, for God's sakes. I was at the beach. It last might never weekend. be warm enough for you. There is that coming from Arizona. It yeah. never gets hot. It was hot 101 here. in Arizona. Uh, oh, yeah. that was the forecast for today. Yeah, I, yeah, 100 is. Yeah, that's when the ice breaks. You know, on the top of the <laughs> pool is at 100. Is when you finally can get the the ice to melt off. Take but sweater off. So, I, I, not an exaggeration. I took, took mom to the beach last week in Delaware. Uh, Count oh, me as one who didn't know there were a bunch of beaches in Delaware. Yeah. But um, there were people getting in the water. The It was 71 degrees outside. Okay? There were people in the in the Atlantic Ocean. 71 degrees outside. You've lost your minds. Yeah. You're just trying to but get hypothermic. What was the water temperature? Not 71 Mm, okay. The Atlantic, the Atlantic is always is cold. cold. Yeah. yeah, but what if it's colder, cooler outside? Then I don't mind going in because then the water it doesn't feel as cold. What is that? <laughs> so if it's thirty degrees out, and the water yeah. is forty-two degrees. Okay, I nothing under seventy. <laughs> but I mean, the water has to be like almost in the eighties, right, to even be relatively good to go into. Listen, and if, that if never, I touch it with my toe and I go, I'm not getting in. That never okay? happens in Lake Michigan, <laughs> just, just, just so, so you clear. know. Oh, no, I'm yeah. going to advise you, Bruce, not to not, like take a run from it, your place no, down the do sand it. into the lake. Not going to no. do it. No. No. It's like 98 no. degrees out in the water. I got a bathtub with a hot water tap. I'll be okay. Yeah. All right. It's it's <laughs> never warm. It's just never warm. Are you someone who speaks in clips and phrases? Do you use metaphors? We've we've had the butchered metaphors before. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. 
shout out to Mary Beth, who, not on purpose, would absolutely butcher metaphors. And it was one of those things where she would just say it and say things so nonchalantly. I called it the Doppler effect. Like it would go for a few seconds and go, hold on, what the hell did you just say? For example. You know, and this and the other, and I was over here, and you know what? It's, it's just all the gravy under the bridge at this point. And then we just, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 let's go back to the gravy. What do you mean? Gravy under the bridge. Yeah. That's not the same. Mm, I think it is. Mary Beth, I'm telling you right now, it's not the same. I guess you've never been to the gravy river. Gravy yeah. under the bridge. I, I tend to mix up my metaphors a lot, too. Yeah. And you know what? People don't. She's the one call. who used to say all the time. People don't I changed call me my mind. It. I did a total 360. And I was like, <laughs> I think you're right back where you started. And I'm not even that good at math. But I'm pretty sure 360 means you just did a complete circle. Yep, just spun around. You didn't change anything. <laughs> but what about the phrases that we use kind of every day? The ones that you share. The ones that you work into your vernacular. Mm. That are just flat not true. How about this? You ever heard the term, cheaters never prosper? Cheaters never That's prosper. So ridiculous. Isn't it do. ridiculous? Of course they do. You could make an argument we're a society based on cheating. Yeah. Everybody's looking for an angle. Everybody's got a hustle. People got a scam. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Cheaters never prosper. For God's sake. I've said this one a lot. I got cheaters flying around on private jets right now going, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Cheat yeah. this. How about it will figure itself out? <laughs> No, it never does. It never does. It'll figure itself out. Brakes are bad in my car. It'll, It'll figure, figure itself, itself out. <laughs> <laughs> in a really bad way. I always use that term. Like, I, you know, in racing, you know, when, when something's going wrong, uh, like the engine isn't working right, I go, oh, I'm sure it'll fix itself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't nothing, worry about it. Nothing ever this goes with itself. that one. Good things come to those who wait. No, never. Go, mm. grab, go grab it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. You're going to wait for a long time. Because that goes into cheaters never prosper. So somebody's going to cheat you out of the spot if you're sitting around waiting for it. Get going. (laughs) Does every cloud have a silver lining? I've never seen it. As a matter of fact, clouds usually have dark, um, scary looking. Even the the meaning behind it is, you know, in everything bad, you can find something good. Really? Can you? Our boss, Stephanie, can. Oh, she, one of the, oh, right. yeah, she can always find the good oh, in yeah, it. Yeah, there's always something. Yeah. It was a fiery car you. accident on, on Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, but they didn't burn the plants on the side of the road. Yeah. There you oh, okay, well, yeah. I'm good for the plants. That's like the glass half full. Yeah. Is that right? Half empty, half full. Half empty. <laughs> Money doesn't buy you happiness. I'm 100% convinced that poor people came up with that phraseology to justify it. Poverty. Doesn't buy happiness either. <laughs> Going to throw that out there right now. Poverty genuinely sucks. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the happiness quotient. Now, this one probably was true, and now it's become not true. There are plenty of fish in the sea. And that's usually what you say to people who are looking for love. Hey, right. you need to, yeah, there are plenty of fish. fish. Well, Greenpeace would argue that right now. There are not plenty of fish in the sea. We're running anymore. out of fish. Right. And, I would, and I would argue that on We're a personal level as well. <laughs> you know, I, I, I and I look at that when you like, you know, as a guy who's never been married, looking around at all the, the divorcees in the room, the boneheads. Yeah, there's plenty of fish in the sea, and I'm like, mm, 
Some of them are sharks and killer whales, too. Let's just throw that out there right now. Why are you assuming the the fish that you you speak of are nice fish? (laughs) Because I don't uh, uh, subscribe to this. You know, I mean, you want to date a fish? It's a fish. Smells bad. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying. What? Yeah, well, even fresh. It's just, you know, you cook it, and it's like, mm, that's coming from the person who had salmon yesterday for dinner. It was delicious, by the way. I uh, have struggled with math my entire (laughs) life. I am a mathematic illiterate, mathematically illiterate. It's not a diagnosed thing. I don't think it shows up anywhere, but you know what? That's me. Mathematically illiterate. Um, And do you remember the math class? And don't ask me which one. Where you actually had to go and get the special calculator. I remember nothing about math class, math class, but I remember I needed a Texas Instruments TI-55. You still do. I needed a TI-55 calculator. A hundred dollars. Didn't even know how to use it. I went through an entire math class with like, seriously, all I can do is add and subtract on this thing. I don't even know what that button means. The check mark with the thing. What is that? Yeah. Don't know what that means. Don't I just know what found my sons recently, and he was like, yeah, I don't need any. I'm like, I'm not throwing this out. It costs $100. So, yeah. I remember, we're doing all the math and math class, and I, I can remember my math teacher saying, you know, it's important that you know this, because it's not like you're going to have a calculator at, at your fingertips at all times. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Everybody has one. You could argue we nobody needs math class anymore because we all have calc. We all have our own TI fifty five. You don't even need a calculator. I can just ask. The I most, can ask Siri or yeah. Alexa. Can oh, I? And yeah. the most brilliant thing, I would always have problems with you know thirty three percent off. I'm like, yeah, what does that come to? I don't know. It doesn't even matter. They tell you now. <laughs> Next to it, it says how exactly how much this will cost you. Hey Alexa, what's thirty three percent off fifteen hundred? You let me know when you get the answer to that, Nick. <laughs> can I tell you, can, can I throw in another Bruce school story? Because my high school career was unique. Shout out to Miss Beechler, my English teacher. Because mm-hmm. uh, this may come as a surprise to you. I would get in trouble from time to time for socializing and talking in class. And Miss Beechler, once while punishing me, <laughs> said, you're never going to get anywhere. With all this talking. (laughs) For career day, for career day, I got to go back to my high school, Santa Rita, go Eagles, in Tucson, Arizona. And I spoke about being on the radio. I was a music DJ back then. Yeah. And Miss Beachler came to my speech and I told that story. And I said, with all, it, 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 it's worked out for me. I still shouldn't have been talking in your class. <laughs> was at least I, but you know what? All that talking did get me somewhere. Mm-hmm. I would have threw an interface. You would have thrown an interface. Miss Beach was a lovely old lady with like the beehive hair. She sounds like somebody would have a beehive hair. Totally Miss Beach, yeah. of course it does. And we're joined by our friend David Hochberg as well. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? So far, so good, but it's early. You know, I'm a yeah. pessimist by nature. Anything can happen. You know that, David, all right? <laughs> I am a pessimist, but a question for you. Uh, when I saw this, I immediately thought of you. And it's something you've touched on before. We've talked to you about real estate and what's going on out there right now. It looks like interest rates are rising. What are you seeing in your industry? 
yeah, we've been seeing that rates have been rising since February. Uh, it's been no secret. I've been out there touting the horn that, hey, you're out of the twos. We, we still have um, our, you know, our listeners calling and asking for rates in the twos. And you have other lenders out there that are scumbags that are still advertising in the twos, but they're jacking on a ton of closing costs. Mm. So right now, without uh, additional discount points and paying eight to ten thousand dollars in closing costs, which we come across every single day, um, the going rate for all the right tools, meaning decent credit, good loan to value, uh, you're going to start with a three today, and that's just the way it is. Low threes, depending if your credit challenge, you can be at three point eight seven five. You have great credit. You could be as low as three, three and an eighth. Might squeeze in a two nine nine, but you're you're clearly out of the twos like we were for the wow for the um, you know winter and uh, early part of the spring. But yeah, David, you still consider three pretty good, right? Judy, let me tell you, when I got in this industry, for God's sakes, twenty <laughs> and a half years ago. Oh, years how ago, how high was it? Back in the nineteen hundreds and the six. Yeah, yeah. five and six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm still talking to listeners who are in. I talked to three listeners yesterday. One guy was at five and a quarter. Huh. Another guy was at six and an eighth. And another guy was at five and three quarters. I'm like, what happened? They're like, we just haven't gotten around to it. You know, we just, wow. you know, we, we've been just going along. I'm like, well, here, let me run some numbers. One guy put him into a 15 year fixed loan. I could save $900 a month. Right. I mean, it's it's life changing. Yeah, there's still millions and millions of Americans out there who could benefit from these still theoretically bottom, you know, we're not at the record low rates as we were six months ago, but we're pretty damn close. We're yeah. a half a point away. So Uh-oh, I might be in the fours. Really? Is that well, bad? talk, for God's sake. Okay. Yeah. Maybe just four. 4.1? What? Four, four sucks too, Judy. All you right. got to talk to you after this show. <laughs> four sucks. All right. <laughs> he, I love it. He's David Hawkins. I wish Hockford, he wouldn't hold back. I was going to say, if Can only he was on unfiltered. Yeah. yeah. If you have questions. Uh, by the way, and a lot of people have very specific questions. You can reach out to David. He'd love to talk to you. 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. Is the rising of interest rates, though, David, is it going to have an impact on this housing market? Because nothing seems to be slowing it down. Well, well, well here's what's going to happen. It, it's definitely going to impact your ability to borrow. Okay, so the increase in the rates has definitely shaved off $25,000 worth of borrowing power. You went from Two and a half to two point six two five to three and a quarter to three and a half. So that one point jump has has shaved off about twenty five thousand dollars worth of borrowing mm. power. So so what does that mean? It's, it still hasn't dampened the mood. It just means that those borrowers looking for two hundred fifty thousand dollar homes are now going to have to look for two twenty five homes, right, or two fifteen homes. And it just puts the pressure on the lower end market, which is <laughs> which is just forcing the people in the lower end market who didn't want to step up. Take, take those borrowers' places that can afford a larger place. So there's still nine, ten people out there if your home's in decent shape. Listen, your home could be a piece of crap. There's still eight, nine people lined up to buy it. It's, I'm hearing all these crazy, crazy stories. And, and I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong, David, it, it, it sounds like some of the stories we heard 15 years ago about, you know, hey, cash offers, uh, yeah. 10, 25 grand over asking price, and there's a line of people yeah. at the front door. It, it, it sounds yeah, the, a little scary. Yeah, but the only difference is is back in 07, 08, you had a pulse and you put a, a, a mirror under somebody's nose and you got, you got a fog sign there. You could... <laughs> You know, you know, there were lenders out there that would get you loans. Today, 
you know, woof, you've got to do a DNA test. We're doing <laughs> background checks, double scratching background check. We're pulling. It's a lot tougher to get a loan today. Okay. Back then, the Wild West days loans, it was it was the cataclysmic failure of Fair building enough. a house. It, so it is different. Um, it, but it's and even though different. even though it's tougher to get a loan, are you finding that there's a bigger pool of people who do qualify? Well, sure, sure. Well, we, uh, there's a. It, it's not a lot tougher. It it, it it's more stringent qualifying. Uh, you know, uh, qualifications, right? So it's tougher to qualify for a loan. You actually need a job. You need good credit. And, we, and we've got resources that just opened up that if you're out of the box a little bit, we could still get you loans. Your rate's going to be a little higher. You might have to bring in a little down payment. So those loans are coming in. But again, still need good credit. Mm-hmm. Still need to prove your income. Still need to prove your assets. None of this, no income, no asset, no, no income, no asset verification loans. Those are gone, right? Got you got to verify something. To, to show that you actually have the assets. You might not have the income because you got a great CPA, and God bless CPAs out there for being phenomenal <laughs> mm-hmm. doing what they God do. But, you know, there are some people out there that can't document any income, but they've got a couple million in the bank because they've got tremendously fantastic CPAs that write everything off. Nothing wrong with that. You're just going to have to put a little more down, pay a little extra in interest rate, and we could get you financing mm-hmm. today on those type of loans. Yeah, Sounds like a deal. It's still, it's, it's still a fluid market, guys. Okay, fair fluid enough. Market. Fluid market. Fluid market. Hey, listen. David, the guy you need me. to talk to. Call if you, me, David. You call David. <laughs> you call, you call him, 855-56-DAVID, or visit right, 56david.com. That is David. David Hochberg. Thank you so much for your insight into this. As interest rates start to creep up a little, still really good is what I'm hearing. Yeah. But you know what? It's a fluid market. We're going to jump right into the 8 o'clock hour with the big stories that people are talking about. Lollapalooza, the Foo Fighters. That's right, July 29th. It's on the calendar. And the full lineup will be announced at 10 o'clock today, Cheese. Mm, yeah. Actor Charles Grodin. Everybody knows him. He was in like every movie. Midnight it seems Run, like in the right, 80, was a big yeah. One, yeah. Lady in Red. Uh, he died at 86 of marrow oh. cancer, but I'm sure he lived a fabulous life. Judy Pilak. Well, Tokyo doctors say cancel the Olympics. Japan is in a renewed state of emergency with a spike in COVID. Some 6,000 doctors say they have their hands full and the hospitals are full and they don't want that international event in their country. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But the game, they're they're still on. As of right now. 66 days away. Let's just move it somewhere else. We'll put it. Yeah, right. It's easy. Move it over. India. (laughs) No. I don't know. I don't know that I remember ever remember a host country not wanting the Olympics there. Hearing from inside the country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's who that's going to be. What are you going to show up for the Olympics? Everyone's going to be just <sighs> wish you weren't here. Um, <laughs> a place that does wish you were here and where I am starting to see what I would term hustle and bustle. Both. Yeah. Both mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Both kinds. Is Navy Pier as a proud streeter villain. Mm hmm. This is my hood. I've been out there a couple times, kind of strolling. It's your backyard. It's my backyard. Navy Pier is my backyard. How cool is it to say that? Right. that? When I tell people, tell me if I'm getting this wrong. I run into people constantly. Where do you live? Chicago. We're in Chicago, right? That's yeah. About, about yeah, yeah. I feel like Streeterville is not a very no. well-defined area. No. Am, I, am I correct You're correct. So the people I say, outside Chicago. I say, I live a block from Navy Pier. Oh! Yeah. Everybody knows that. Number one tourist attraction. Or you can say, I live on the lakefront. 
That's nice. But that's too. a big lake. Yeah, you could live up north. But in Chicago, there <laughs> could live in Grand Rapids. People don't live along. People <laughs> don't live along the lakefront in Chicago. Hello, it's all open land. Remember, so you do, which is unusual. I, unusual in a variety of ways. Thank you very much. But somebody who knows all about the Navy Pier is joining us right now. Payel Patel. Hello. Good morning to you. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we are excited because uh, we had you on a couple weeks ago when you tore down the fencing. Yeah. Thank you very much. And yeah. allowed people yeah. out onto Navy Pier. I was out there. Day one. Had to go check it out. Mm. Got my rainbow cone. Yes. By the way. Saw the Love new it. hotel, the Sable, right? I was Beautiful, checking it out. Yeah. But we're, some things still weren't open. Some things were still restricted. Tell me about what's happening at Navy Pier. Right. So that was our first phase of the reopening that started April 30th. We opened the outdoor spaces and some of the outdoor restaurants and attractions. And then starting this Thursday, uh, May 20th, we're going to start opening our indoor spaces. So now you'll have access to the Fifth Third Bank Family Pavilion where the food court is. And then gradually some of those businesses will start to come online. And by Memorial Day weekend, we are looking at a full reopening. We're back to hashtag old normal. Yes. Well, as close to normal as possible, right? Got it. We won't, it won't look completely normal. Um, face masks will still continue to be required on site. We're going to keep encouraging social distancing just to make sure that we're taking every safety measure possible to keep the pandemic contained. Um, you know, we're on an upward trajectory here. We'll want to keep that going and want to keep the tier open and available. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned the, the face mask, and I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> the city of Chicago ju- just says, you know, we're relaxing it. The CDC says we don't need them outside. Why do I need to wear a face mask to walk down Navy Pier? So there are caveats to those um, new policies that have um, indicated that, you know, um, with crowds, they're still encouraging mm-hmm. um, face masks. So because at the pier we have we experience, you know, we tend to experience high volumes of people. Mm-hmm. We just want to make sure that when you're around that many people that you don't know that Face masks are continued to uh, be worn. Um, we're, we're not, you know, we're not checking people for their vac- vaccination passes or okay. anything of that nature. So it's hard to gauge whether or not it's okay. completely safe to be around that many people. Yeah. Well, and speaking of crowds, will you be limiting people on the pier? Yeah, so we're monitoring capacity um, by uh, using this technology that's um, monitoring different zones throughout the pier. We have about 20 zone, 25 zones across the entire pier. Whoa. And there's this technology that helps us indicate um, how many people might be in a particular zone at any given time. So there's no, we're not assessing capacity by the entire pier per se, but if there's a crowd gathering, you know, by the Ferris wheel and it's getting a little crowded over there, this technology will alert us and our staff will go out there and make adjustments or help guests disperse and socially distance. And so that's how we're going about monitoring our so you're capacity. you're not counting people as they walk in or out correct now every establishment on the pier is monitoring um how many people might be in their particular establishment right so the restaurants they're abiding by the city of chicago's um capacity limits and so they'll only have a certain percentage inside and outside so and just one more thing i know because i've been to navy pier in normal years where it is jam-packed I mean, do you guys have like a plan B if that does happen? Yeah, so again, that technology would t- indicate to us that it's getting crowded. And then at that point, we would take any necessary measures, including, you know, putting up the gate if it comes to that point. That's only ever happened on 4th of July. 
as you know, you know, Navy Pier mm, is one yeah. of the top destinations for the 4th of July. And so mm. um, on a typical year, we would put up the gates even before the pandemic since we hit capacity okay. um, at that point. So, yeah, we'll look out for crowds like, of that nature and, and make those type of necessary adjustments. And I only mention it because people have been pent up for so long. I think Navy Pier appeals, think to so, so, yeah. Yeah. It appeals to so many Chicagoans and so many and tourists. And the tourists, which we yeah. sincerely hope start start coming back. And are, are you seeing, uh, what are you seeing as far as crowds, even with your limited opening because i've noticed throw it out there and maybe this was always true if i go down there on a weekday pretty sparse yeah. you can walk along yeah. you don't feel like you're in a crowds but man it's starting to fill up on fridays and saturdays and sundays yes yes and especially on fireworks nights right everyone wants to make sure they catch that that fireworks show which we haven't had since um you know 2019 so it's um completely understandable that there will likely be um, an uptick in our attendance on those days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our, our staff is very vigilant about, you know, how, how people are gathering um, on the pier and will will check out the South Dock and make sure people are, are dispersed as much as possible. And so we're trying to take every safety measure possible. But, you know, of course, when, when those fireworks go off <laughs> and, and, and people are out in the South Dock enjoying, it's, you know, I, we're hoping that everyone's just being as safe as possible, keeping their face masks on at minimum. 10-4, Pyle Patel with Navy Pier. Thank you very much. We're all excited to get back out there and some, some semblance of, again, hashtag old normal. Here's how close I live. Yeah. yeah. The, the fireworks, I didn't know what time they, because I was at home. Yeah. I thought there was gunfire. Expo- I was like, <laughs> "What?" Because I got a window open. I'm in the mm-hmm. living room, and I'm like, "Oh, there!" And especially with all the buildings, the echo. I'm out on the balcony looking around. Like, should I be getting out of this? Bu- what is going on? Oh, hilarious! And then I went, "Maybe oh, bear." That's what it is. Did you finally look up and see him? Can you see him? Uh, my balcony faces away from it. Oh, does that make sense? Yeah, I just heard him. Yeah, but I could see the. Uh, is it nine o'clock? I want to yeah. see they go off. It's something like that. Yeah, it was 9 or 9.30, but I was like, the mean streets of Streeterville are even meaner than I thought. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like World War Three out there. Somebody's lobbing mortars yeah. at us. Have yeah. you wandered down to those big wooden chairs at the very end? Yes. Oh, my God. I could camp out on that. Down yeah. There. yeah, I could so camp out nice. on those chairs. Yeah, and there's that, that kind of a concert space, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, right. The, yeah. the ballroom yeah. down yeah. there at the very Outside. end. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and then that new hotel, I walked through the Sable, and uh, we actually spoke to uh, Lyrica, Lyrica, which is the yeah. restaurant, which has an outdoor area and indoor area. It looks really nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really I'm going nice. to the Sable in July. Oh, there I you just go. spoke to my room. Ahoy, Poloy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And joining us right now is Steve Hartenstein. Did I get it right? You sure did. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning <laughs> to Italian. you. Yeah, so Italian sounding. <laughs> Steve is the managing partner at Luca Osteria Bar and Restaurant, uh, and, and Luca Osteria and Bar, and that's because we were confused as to what an Osteria is. Can you start with Osteria? We'll work backwards to Luca. Absolutely. We're going to call it kind of the cheers of the uh, of the suburbs. Oh. They, uh just a gathering place with awesome food, great city vibe, uh, great libations, lots of fun. And we're going to try some live music for the first time this Friday night. Oh, nice. Wow. Talk about hashtag old normal. So is it, is it the kind of place where, and this is these are the places I really love the most, where you have a bar big enough where you can sit at the bar and eat? 
Judy, it's called Old School Meets New yeah, School. Yeah, all right. We've got an awesome bar. We've got great cocktail tables. We've got a big communal table right down the middle that everybody said, don't do that, don't do that, there's COVID. And uh, bam, we talk, talk about guts. We were, we were scared to do this. Been working on it for two years, on again, off again with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God blessed us. We're, we're very fortunate. Nice. We also put in a, an unbelievable lounge area um, where the coat room used to be. So talk about utilizing space and pivoting. And my manager, Yasmina, comes in every day with new furniture. So it's wow. really, wait till you see it. It's, it's pretty awesome. It, it, it looks and sounds phenomenal. But, and I also want to know a little bit about Chef Claudio. Tell me about Claudio. So Claudio and I have been BFFs for 27 years. <laughs> um, he started and, and uh, was the corporate chef and partner of uh, Stefani Restaurants for 42 years. And he's, he's from Luca, Italy. And his... Um Whoop. Did we lose you? ...fresh. He, uh, he's willing to do, you know, uh, take his traditional food and put a couple of American twists on it, if you will. But he's as authentic as you get. And if you've ever seen the, the movie The Big Night, um, if you haven't, you should. But it's a... <laughs> kind of one of those b-rate movies and it's hilarious and it reminds me of claudia uh, steve is uh, the managing partner at luca asteria and bar along those lines and i i just know that that uh, chef claudio is from the tuscan region of italy what is unique about that region when it comes to italian food so it's it's really all about you know herbs and fresh vegetables and and um it's kind of basic food that's got some twists and turns and, and just great natural flavors to it. So it's not a, it's not hoity-toity food. It's food that everybody understands. Um, there's quite a bit of fresh seafood that we've got. We do a, uh, we do a crudo and we're going to be adding more and more to the menu as we get going. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, first of all, I want to have a chef as my BFF. <laughs> I think that's like the best not thing in the world. Not a bad thing to have at all. Oh my gosh. So, I'm, I love Italian food. One of my favorites is uh, a chicken, a lemon chicken or chicken piccata. What is the, what is the most popular, um, entree on your menu there? Well, so we've been doing this, um, fettuccine in the Parmesan wheel that we, uh, we light it on fire and, and he's got sausage and mushrooms in it. So not only is it awesome, but it's exciting and, and when people, oh, yum. See if they're excited, and it's lighter than you would think. So we've mm-hmm. been selling a lot of that, and then he does this brodetto that's like a uh, zuppa de pesce, uh, you know, like a. It's got all kinds of fresh seafood in it, uh, and it comes out in a copper pot, and it's a, a wow factor. And then we've got a prime ribeye steak uh, that that comes out like on a spindle that we carve uh, table side for you. So we we've got some really fun yeah. things. We've got this el checho that's like. It's like a hummus, but it's super light, and it's done with chickpeas. And then we have quite a few vegan uh, and gluten-free dishes on the menu, too. So we've been getting rave reviews on that as well. Oh, that's very smart. Steve Hartenstein is uh, uh, with Luca, a stereo and bar in the heart of Oak Brook. Yeah. Hey, you can't talk about Italian food without bringing up wine. Talk to me about how the wine works into your, your meals. 
so that's a great question. Our general manager is a, um, a sommelier as well as our bar manager, Brian, is studying to be a sommelier. And so, candidly, we're not there yet on the wine list. We're getting there. But, boy, oh, boy, it's unbelievable the amount of high-end wines that, we've, that we're already selling since we've opened, as well as we've got about eight craft cocktails on the menu that are going well. Um, so it's, it's been great, and we're, we're in the midst of uh, building out uh, two patios in front. One will seat about 40 people for a lounge area and another area of 50 people for, for dining, you know, with tables and chairs. And so we're going to be doing rosé all day. <laughs> oh, my and, gosh. And champagne and Prosecco, and Ugh. we're going to be livening it up. And we, we had issues, even though we're right across the street from Oak Brook Shopping Center, mm-hmm. uh, in the past, you know, we had concern about uh, visibility, and we put an awning out there that you can't miss. It's that Veuve Clicquot gold color, and it just pops. I, w- I want to tell you, Steve, I drove by yesterday, and I for the first oh, time, I noticed it. I told these guys, I'm like, yeah. I just saw that restaurant. So good job on that awning, because it you, you did almost it. need that. Yeah, <laughs> You can't yeah. miss okay, it. Okay, so really quick, though. So for people who want to come, any restrictions? Where where are we in the masking and the distancing and all that at your place? Well, we're gonna we're gonna follow all the guidelines, uh, and you know, as as we all know, the guidelines are now uh, if you've been vaccinated, which many people have, most of our staff has been. Um, you don't need to wear a mask. We're, we were still wearing a mask as of yesterday, um, but you know, we're we're just gonna be respectful, and we're gonna make sure that we, you know, it's it's safety first and health first. Fair enough. Um, and and even without the masks, we'll keep it distance as as much as we can, but. Boy, we, we opened up uh, at in the sweet spot, as they say. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, right. we're, we're, we're glad that you survived, first off, the last the last year and whatever, uh, you know, just because so many, so many people in your industry struggled through this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and to see you thriving and and what a great weekend it's going to be for some Live of that music. outdoor dining and music. Yeah. Right. Well, unfortunately, I'm not ready for the oh, outdoor dining yet. Not yet. But I'm okay. getting there. Well, let's but, hurry because it's going to be eighty. <laughs> I know the, and the the music will be exciting as as can be, and it'll make you um, it'll make you feel really comfortable. And it's all open windows, so it'll feel as if you're outdoors. Great. You know, we're also very fortunate that we we've got three private dining rooms as well as the lounge area that we're able to do events and we've already been blessed to do um, uh, quite a few parties and we've, we've booked quite a few parties. There one room will seat 80, another one will seat 35 and then we, we've got a marketplace that we're going to be launching in the next couple weeks with takeout and delivery and oh, prepared wow. food. It's a small place then, huh, Steve? Come in and get a couple, yeah. <laughs> couple, couple pounds of fresh pasta and sauce and, and nice. You you can cook it at home, Judy, and you can feel like you are chef class. Okay, go. yeah, I'll there see you, you soon, Judy. Steve, because yeah. I will be there. But I'm not doing the cooking. You are, Stephen. <laughs> thank you so very much. Best of luck, and uh, we can't wait to visit Luca Asteria and Bar yeah. right there in Oakbrook. Stephen Hartenstein, the managing partner there, outstanding. I can't wait. What what a great place to go this weekend. Everybody's got to come back down, and you started thinking about. Sitting on the Bruce, Judy, and Cheese with you. Good morning. Thanks for spending time with us. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have been rethinking your priorities, 
if word you got in an email or on a Zoom call from your boss that they were reopening the office, Yike, sitting still on the Dan Ryan, <laughs> taking the train, God forbid a bus. Oh, right. Oh. I love buses. Yeah. And you started to say, how much do I really want this job? You are not alone. The numbers out there. And and listen, when the rubber meets the road, we're going to find out. We'll find out, you know, when push comes to shove, if you will. Yeah. Are people really going to walk away from a job as opposed to get back into that? Nine to five routine, commuting, being in an office, cubicles, the water cooler, whatever. Because the numbers out there say a lot of folks are seriously considering making a change. Right. I mean, you know, people, first of all, want don't want to go back because of those reasons. They want flex time. And then there's this group of people who are like, I don't want any of that. I want something completely different. Not that they don't want to work. Like they had an epiphany. Epiphany, right. I said it earlier. It's like, and the doctor, I just want to um, point out, agreed with me completely. It's <laughs> it's like a reset. Didn't you? I had that personally. I had a little bit of a reset, didn't you guys? Where I was like, you know what? Well, I was already in a reset because I had already left my job. You reset your reset? I reset my reset. That reset wasn't good enough, is. and I needed a new reset. But, I mean, I just... I felt like I, I just I brought my level down a little bit, you know. Like, oh my god, I thought this was so important. Well, you know, we hear it's about all these important. people saying, you know, they're having trouble hiring and can't find jobs. Maybe there's some people who just don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are they sitting around trying to do the calculation? How long can I not work? Yeah, yeah. and see, I don't think it's so much about that. Okay, because at my age, it is. I I think about that not mm-hmm. working. But these are, you know, middle-aged people. These are people who need to work still. They just don't want to do what they've been doing. Not not the traditional yeah. way or not in the field that they were in. This kind of is that, the way I hear it and the way I understand it, and by the way, I do understand it in other people. I would argue I've been doing it my whole life. So, so let me follow me on this. It's like the bucket list. Like, I got to do these things before I die. Yeah. And and some people have jobs that prevent them from doing the things they wanted to do, quote, before you die. The things you have to do. Check it. Right, your bucket list, right? I'm just a bucket list. Before there were bucket lists, I've just always done stuff like that. Yeah. I never let the job get in the way of doing what yeah. I want to do. You're Is very lucky. Yeah. I, You're I, I, very I, lucky. But, but, well, but there's also... Because um, I think people wake up sometimes and they go... How did I get to this what, age? Yeah, what and I am I right? doing? Especially during the pandemic... They've been waking up, playing with their kids, seeing the wife or the husband more. I mean, that family life, I think, really made people stop and think. Can I tell you what, what, what I've seen with some of my friends that have been working remotely and why heading back into the office is going to be difficult for them? Mm -hmm. Their stress and anxiety level is way down. That has to be huge. huge. And when they start thinking about commuting, being back in the office with that idiot in the you know corner office or the person in the cubicle next to me, or just any of that that goes along with it, that anxiety level starts going up, yeah. right? That stress level starts going up, and some people are just saying, "No, I kind of liked not having that stress. Right. I, I liked not feeling that way, and I'm going to try to rework my life 
so that it fits in with that mold. I think it's interesting. We talk about the ripple effects of the last year, about all the things we haven't even thought of. There are a lot of folks out there, you you may be one of them, who just look at work slash look at life very differently over the last last year. And let me tell you, I, I have spoke to many people who have already told me they're never going back because that's okay with their company. Those decisions have already been made, too. Mm. So that, you know, because I, it's funny, my son was telling me he was going to move out with his friend. And this is a young guy who just, you know, he's been, maybe been in the workforce a couple of years. And I'm thinking, how can he move to Chicago? He works in Schaumburg. He's like, oh, no, he's never going back. To the <laughs> he's never going back. Wow. They told him, don't come. You, you're good. You're good really? to go. So, I mean, there's that. I just, I do feel like workers have the upper hand. Right We're going to find out. Uh, we are going to find out. We are going to find out. Still might be one of the reasons why you need to have your faith in humanity restored. Judy says she can do it for you right now. Listen to this. Delaware State University is canceling more than $700,000 in student debt for recently graduated students who are facing financial hardship during the pandemic. Exactly what we were just talking about. Mm. The school says the average eligible student will qualify for just over $3,000. It'll help more than 220 graduates and... That will remove any delay in receiving diplomas, which is always a shame when you can't afford it. The money, part of the American Rescue Plan for COVID-19, Delaware says it hasn't raised tuition in over six years. Every incoming student gets an iPad or a MacBook, and they are replacing traditional textbooks with less expensive digital editions. Now, last year, the annual U.S. News and World Report assessment of America's top colleges listed Delaware State University among the top 1%. In social mobility, you know what that means? No. Enrolling and graduating large proportions of disadvantaged students. So, hooray for them and hooray for humanity. Yeah. I was just in Delaware. It's not that big a place. I must have been near the (laughs) door. It is. You look on a map and I'm like, I think I could throw a rock across this place. (laughs) So much good in Delaware, right? What's going on in Delaware? If only the water was warmer. Visit Rehoboth Beach. Yeah, Yeah, don't touch the water. Hey, Junie and I, thank (laughs) you for spending some time with us. Also, uh, MG and the posse over there in Mission Control, they hit all the buttons and make things happen. Thank you very much. Uh, Infant producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof glass. DJ Cheese working the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And Nick Gale, who's going to stick around and continue to deliver all the information you need. The news, the traffic, the weather, the things to get you through your Wednesday. It's coming up next right here on 890 WLS.